0: been pressed treading water and they challenge my head on a swivel yeah it's only really my surroundings hello and welcome to episode 205 of the smash except podcast I'm your host Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at dynastydadff. And joining me, as always, is my co-host in his kitchen—nope, actually living room. My man Mung. How you doing tonight?
1: Good, man. It's been uh, it's been good to unwind a little bit, uh, take a little bit of time off from the constant analysis that goes into Dynasty Redraft uh, DFS and everything else week in week out. So the playoffs are a good time to reset a little bit. I'm sure. Some of your guys' dynasty leagues are a little bit more stagnant right about now, uh, while others are still very much active. But either way, um, however you choose to play dynasty, it's just fun to watch the playoff games without thinking about other implications.
0: Right. They just get to sit and enjoy football, even if the Bills decide to choke against the the Chiefs again. You know, <laughs> just sit back and, and enjoy it, enjoy it for what it is, you know, and, and my mind constantly is always thinking of dynasty trades, though. <laughs> like even even as I'm watching games and things like that. And now we get to the off season, which you know is our main season and and some of the most fun topics and things that we talk about. And tonight, what I really wanted to cover is trade etiquette. You know, the way we're able to get deals done. A lot of you guys are saying, you know what, you know, Dad, I only made two trades all last year, my league mates don't listen, or, you know, our guys aren't active enough. And the biggest question that I always get is, how do you make your league more active? Like, how do you get players involved? And you got to know your league mates, you got to know your league, but how do you encourage more trading?
1: Yeah, I think it starts with just activity in general, right? Whether it's off-season waivers or a little bit of trash talk, if you know, you know, somebody in your league is a Niners fan or a Lions fan, or whatever it might be, and just keeping the discussion active, I think that helps in and of itself a lot. And two, kind of the overall theme for tonight's show, I think, is just in general, don't be a douche. Uh, just just be nice overall. I, I think that's a good lesson, again,
0: not just for Dynasty Leagues, but also life uh, in general. Turns out you're not a doucher, you know, little little stepbrothers action. But I, I think you're right. I mean, like, the more I do this, you know, the – Everyone wants to win trades, you know, and it's like when you first start out in Dynasty, that's what you want. Right. People send me and I'm sure they send it to you. Did I win this trade? You know, and it's like some of those turn out to be your worst trades because you you fleece the guy and now he doesn't want to trade with you ever again or the rest of the league gets upset with you. You know, and I think Dynasty is more about knowing the market, your individual salesmanship, your trade etiquette, than it is about player evaluations. You know, like sometimes we just get wrapped up in, in, in some of those things and we forget it's, it's, you know, it's nine, 10, 11, 12 other dudes in there that are just like you, you know, and we all want to be talked to a certain way. We all want to be, you know, engaged in a certain way. I try to find this time of year. And I, I think you've noticed that from me is like, sometimes I'll jump in there and make a trade early to try to stir the league back up. You know, it might be a trade that it's a minor trade, but it gets things going. And then you, you start talking in the group chat. You start a little bit, like you said, that trash talking, even if you're trading a third for Zach Moss this time of year, you're like, Oh, championship. That's going to put me over the top, you know, and you get everybody going and and get everybody excited about things. Uh, the one question that I get a lot right now, and I, I wanted to get your opinion on that is, is trade bait. Is that a what are you what are your thoughts on that? A lot of people say that's the equivalent of like Facebook the wave, you know, or, or those kind of things. <laughs> do you pay close attention? Sleeper, I I love the idea of it, you know, there it isn't available on MFL. But when people update their trade bait, what are your, you know, what are the pros? What are the cons? What do you like about it?
1: Yeah, well, first off, uh, I just want to say don't don't be the person who puts like 80% of your team Thank you. as trade bait. Like, Thank I, you don't I need to that. blow up the chat. Trade bait is more of a tool to... Like in season, it shows people that, oh, you're putting three veteran superstars as trade bait. Maybe you're thinking about rebuilding, mm-hmm. right? It speaks more to your mindset than everyone on my team is available. Like we we don't need... 15 straight minutes of of you blowing up everybody's phone because half your team is now on the trade, on the trade block. You got to scroll
0: down for two minutes just to get to the end of the red receipts. And then you can actually market that. I don't know why the the little like red dots next to your league name are kind of like when you get emails, I can't stand that on my iPhone. (laughs) Oh no, I got to get that cleared.
1: Yeah. But in general, I, I think you use it as a tool, more of like a memo right so if yes. you're saying if if you put someone like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes on the trade block it's basically you saying hey i'm looking for the best price possible right mm-hmm. uh, or again it's signaling what direction maybe you're you're looking to take your team into this offseason whether you're going to try and push all in right if you start putting your picks on the trade block mm-hmm. or whether you're putting a guy Like a Stefan Diggs, a Devontae Adams, an older veteran wide receiver on the trade block saying, hey, maybe I'm thinking about retooling this offseason. So, again, it's more to communicate than to be, oh, these are specifically all the players I'm looking to trade right now.
0: I'm so glad you said that because in my one league guy put 21 guys and I'm like. Dude, I understand. Like we preach that, right? Like on on Smash Accept, it's like there's no player who's untouchable. You know, there's no, but, but yeah. Like we don't need to know all 21 guys that you're interested in moving. The other turnoff for me is like when a dude will post in his trade bait that he's willing to trade. Again, you know Rashad Bateman right now. Oh great, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Let's let's get involved in that one. You know, um, when so, when someone does pop up on your trade bait. Talk to me a little bit about your thought process. Are you the type of guy who will send a cold offer? You know, there's a lot more that goes into it. Some guys like to send a message of, hey, man, what are you looking for for this guy? You know, other people will send a message to him saying, you know, I'm willing to give up X, Y, and Z. Do you want to go back and forth on this? Other people will send a cold offer. The other people will go in and they'll go in and put Instead of the other option on Sleeper is they'll hit the like button on that particular player. How do you get that conversation started in a proper mentality to try to, you know, get yourself through a trade?
1: Yeah, I think the best thing to do is to be direct and to have open lines of communication. And by that, I mean, you want to be the one initiating the action, right? You, you don't want to sit back at a bar and be like, oh, man, I hope this guy or this girl asks me out, right? Basically, you want to go up and say, hey, I'm interested in, in a polite way, but also where they know where you stand.
0: So, so no pick if, up lines for your trades.
1: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, I haven't tried that one yet, but maybe that could be it. Um, yeah, I mean, in general, right, let's say you put a Christian McCaffrey on the trade block. Somebody does that and you're looking to go all in. Generally, what I would do is one, I would send an offer because personally it depends on the day and the time when I get a message. Sometimes I have a lot of time to look at that team and sometimes I don't. And if you catch me at a moment where I don't, then I might just decline the offer, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you send your offer first, that gives them immediately something to respond to. And then along with that offer, it doesn't have to be a paragraph, right? Just a quick, hey, I'm interested, in um you know and and you look at their team at their needs be like are you interested in some young wide receivers maybe a rasheed rice plus for christian mccaffrey right and you send let's say rasheed rice plus a second and and you see what happens
0: yeah and i think that's an excellent point because it's a matter of the the more i've played dynasty my first year in i was like one of those guys where it would be like i'd send my four guys for your one and be like hey look at the value you know like this would help you out and it's like to me, I can't stand the pushy salesman who's trying to tell me that, you know, player X is about to blow up or you don't know what you're missing with player Y. You know, if you go about it, and that's why I talk about it from a sales standpoint, or like you said, from a relationship or a, you know, starting an initial conversation, you're literally going out there and say, hey, you know what, how can I help you? And what can I give you to this that's going to be fair for you? You know, what do you need to do to, to get into that area? And I think, when it comes to a stud like Christian McCaffrey, the biggest advice I have for people is this past offseason or in in season, I've seen so many studs traded without talking to the league at all. You know, I've seen underselling by about a first on on guys like CJ Stroud and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa. Like if we knew he was available, I think you could have gotten more for that." So on the other side, when we do trade etiquette, I'm personally if I'm selling a stud you know, and I have a situation right now where I'm about to enter a complete and utter rebuild in the league and I'm going to trade CJ Stroud. I just know I am. So I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to send a DM to everybody. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put them on the trade block and I'm going to say, Hey, just so you know, like CJ Stroud's available. If you guys want to come in, you know, if you guys want to start some initial offers and get it that way, I'm not going to announce that I'm rebuilding because that kind of information really cuts you down a little bit. It, it, makes it so they feel like they're going to pay 75 cents on the dollar. But sometimes I'll just say, hey, Stroud's available. You know, I'm, I'm interested in starting the conversation with you guys
1: yeah, and I will say one pet peeve that I have is I, I don't like when people kind of air all the offers, right? They're saying, oh, I already have this offer specifically from this mm-hmm. GM of you know three firsts and that's well great. that's a
0: business deal, right? Because like if you're doing a business deal with someone, you don't want them sharing whatever the other person what they're about to do, you know what I mean like it's it's almost crossing
1: a line it's an ethical gray area i don't think there's anything wrong with it per se but i would say in general i would just say i've had a couple strong offers already i'm i'm probably going to accept one of these offers unless i hear from other people before the end of the week something like that right where you're you're letting people know that you are potentially going to move a big piece or a big player or the 101 whatever it might be So you kind of try and generate more interest, get a few more nibbles before you make that deal. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you're not necessarily airing out every offer, right? And especially don't bash any offers where like, this is a terrible offer. Like, what were you thinking?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's the biggest way to absolutely destroy communication, destroy future deals is where you, you just slap it right back in their face. You'd be like, oh, that's horrible. Why would you even send that? You know, you're like, okay this guy's taking enough time. Like you want to, you, you, we talk about, you want to have your league active. We talk about, you want to make trades. Cause I've never spoken to someone. They're like, man, I wish my league wouldn't make so many trades. You know, like that's not a thing. We don't talk about that, but then you're going to shoot down. Oh, that was a horrible offer. Now, next time we go in there, you go into an area where I usually try to, when they say that's a horrible offer, you'd be like, well, what, what do you think is a little bit more fair? You know, and try to talk to them there and try to see where they're at. You know and I think we get into an area then where you start to talk about evaluations and this is something that i find can be triggering for some people is oh well i'll send you a screenshot of keep trade cut or i'll send you a screenshot of dynasty trade calculator or somebody say well i don't listen to any of those you know it's like well tell me what your evaluation process is and this is going down to your league mates where three or four guys in every league i know if i send something that's equivalent or better on dynasty trade calculator they're going to they're going to accept it you know and then there's other ones it's like okay these guys are going to come up with their own evaluation and you've got to know how to deal with those individual managers themselves
1: yeah again it comes down to tone right mm-hmm. because i think it's fine if you want to send a screenshot be like oh i thought this was close because this is how multiple sites kind of valued these guys and it's fine if yeah. you disagree right but don't send the message the screenshot be like look you're dumb. You're way off by two firsts, right? Like that just sends the wrong message immediately because probably 80 to 90% of what you're saying is tone, not necessarily the words themselves. And and that kind of goes along too with like, don't try and tell other people how they should value their players or their picks, right? Perhaps you disagree a lot, right? If the guy who wants three seconds on top of a twenty twenty four first to move up one spot in the draft, yeah, I mean, most times you're probably not gonna pay that. It's probably way steep. But at the same time, if that's what they really need, then just understand that you're far apart and the deal's not gonna be done and you don't need to, you know, yell at them and tell them that they're wrong and, and get into
0: a whole debate because that accomplishes nothing. I like it. Uh, now, that, like I said, in the last couple of weeks, we are live on YouTube at 7 and 8 o'clock. We are live on Twitter. People are, are making comments as we go. Fantasy Fanatics, who's a must-follow on Twitter, or X, however you want to say it, just says, keep, keep pumping out that heat to us. Another one sent in from uh, Matt Abramowitz, and this is an interesting one because he said, what are we doing with Quentin Johnston? This is the time of year where how do you go about those guys that are worth a second, you know, those guys that are underperformed this particular season, the Marvin Mims, the Quentin Johnstons, the, you know, the players that are 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 depleting in value. They're starting to drop off. How do you approach owners in that sense? You know, because you don't want to overtip your hand and say, hey, I'm really coming after Quentin Johnson how do you go about going after those guys that are starting to drop a little bit in value? And then let's talk specifically about Quentin Johnson to answer Matt's question. Then,
1: Yeah. I think you, you have to feel it out a little bit again, tone matters a lot, right? Cause nobody, nobody wants to find digs on their roster right now. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, don't be that guy where I get a trade offer of, A third for digs right and be Mm -hmm. like stefan digs sucks you might as well just give him to me and and it's like all right well then why do you want him right Mm -hmm. he's so bad um and i think it's a it's a fine line because on the one hand if you are trying to buy low on a player you do want to kind of bring up whatever has been disappointing about them right but at the same time you don't want to be like he's worthless because then again why are you trying to trade for him so Mm -hmm in general i would say basically i would open with the line after you send the offer let's say a late second or a 20 25 second for quentin johnson if you still believe him right be like hey i don't know if you still believe in johnson but i think maybe he can still be good so um just wanted to see where you're at with him something along those lines again send an offer before you send that message right mm-hmm. again drive that action but I think it's a good way. Again, you don't want to bash a player or really talk him down before you send an offer because, again, the tone isn't quite right with that.
0: So, and one thing that we've always hit on is insulated trades. And I think Quentin Johnston, if you believe in him, and you said Stefan Diggs on the other side, would you rather have a 25 first random and Quentin Johnston or Stefan Diggs and a late 24 or late 25 second? So, a one two flop with Johnston and Diggs. Um, probably, probably take, yeah, I would,
1: I honestly would probably just take the first Um, because that's the best piece to me. I, I don't care so much about Johnston.
0: Yeah. I think that's a, an area where, I mean, we talk about, he's not one of the guys that we're saying is an insulated type player, but at the same time, he's asking what to do with Quentin Johnson. And the, my biggest problem is when people like they paid a 107, 108. And they're selling them already for a 24 second. And it's like, that's probably not the best avenue to go about it. Package him with somebody, wait until the off season, see what happens a little bit, you know, and and try to move from there. Um, As far as trade etiquette, what are some of those like pet peeves to you that just make it so it's much more difficult to trade? You know, something that we we spoke to a few, but something else there that's just like, you know what? This is not going to get it done.
1: Yeah, will going back to Johnson real quick, I, I will say I'm not really looking to go out and buy him. Um, mm-hmm. If you drafted him in the first round, I, I guess you're kind of just stuck with him. Um, I would probably take a second, but I was never super high on Johnson to begin with. I if if it costs a third to get him, that's mm-hmm. cheap enough where I'd roll the dice. Um, but yeah, going back to tone, I think it's just important to realize that arguing isn't going to necessarily change someone's mind about how they value a player, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it's better just to walk away and find a player that you do agree on valuation wise, right? Kind of shift the trade talks even if the trade bait was activated say for Stefan Diggs, maybe then, oh, what about like Jacoby Myers or someone else, another veteran wide receiver, maybe you're closer on that value on their and that person's roster versus just kind of trying to hammer it home when you clearly don't agree on a certain player's value. And that kind of goes back to just communicating, right? Being, um, you don't always have to be nice, but just be direct, I guess Mm -hmm. is the best way. And again, understanding that not every trade offer is going to work out. Even if you talk back and forth, I, I get constant questions on Twitter here and there where it's the 15th variation of a deal, and I say, well, just send this and be like, this is the offer. Yes. It's okay if it yes. doesn't work out. And maybe
0: we're just too far apart, right? Mm-hmm. Not all deals are meant to get done. People don't know when to walk away. You know, it's like there's that. It. You and I have had several in Smash except one where, you know, and I've I've realized that the cold offer, you're, you're better with that one-on-one kind of direction of like, how do you want to do this? Who do you like here? What do you want to do? But I think sometimes, you know, you and I were trying to do uh, – a Pittman and Waddle deal, you know what I mean? And I think we went back and forth a couple of times. It's like, okay, this wasn't it. This didn't work for us. There's no need to kind of push there. But sometimes people will say, well, dad says we should have been buying Jordan Love. So I'm going to go until the guy says, all right, we're good. You know, like you don't want to overpay on it. You should be able to, like if you're buying a used car, you're trying to get X, Y, and Z thrown in. You're trying to get the price down a little bit. You know, you're, you got to know when it's a value and when you can walk away there's certain times where it's just like, okay, you're not willing to add that second, like I'm asking for, would you add a third? They say, no. You're like, uh, okay, well, I think I'm good. You know? And I, and then there's no problem coming back and saying, sometimes we do that back and forth five, six times. I'll say, you know what? This is my final offer. This is all I can do. Do not send another counter. Like this is the farthest I'm willing to go. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's clear expectations and communication. Yeah. And I I think
1: uh a, a really good lesson that I've learned both in dynasty and in life is just don't say things personally, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. If a deal doesn't get done. Um, it's okay. If you get rejected for a date, it's okay. If you don't get hired for a job, right? Just go move on to the next. Um, mm-hmm. Again, if you're sending a trade offer for the one Oh three, you really like a player that you might get there. They might fall to the one Oh four, right? Keep that Avenue open right? Look into the 104, the 105, the 102, even if you think that's going to be a little too expensive. You don't have to get too stuck on one trade. And also, just real quick, this applies to discourse about dynasty players and, and rookie players in general, because we're getting to rookie season. You can disagree on rookie prospects. We're all going to be right. We're all going to be wrong on certain prospects. Debate them. Talk about you know who you believe in, who you don't. But at the end of the day, don't take it personally. If you're debating a player and they don't think that player is good and you do, right, that's fine. Just leave it that you don't need to resort to name calling. Be like, oh, this is dumb. Start pulling up Twitter receipts. Right. I I see I see so many of those negative interactions on Twitter sometimes. And it's like, just just let it go. Right. Like, you know, in your heart, like, oh, I'm going to be right about this player. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're not. But don't don't drag everything down into an endless debate.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I can't tell you how many people told me that I was stupid for having C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young. You know, and I was like, okay, all right, that panned out. Then there's on the flip side, I had a guy the other day send me a tweet from when when Puka Nakua had his first game, say, hey, I'm selling for any first. It wasn't the wrong process, right? The results didn't work out, but sometimes the process year after year after year of trusting that a guy drafted in that round is not going to pan out after a big game is something that you hit 9 times out of 10 and you're going to miss that one. You know like and that's where we talk a lot about process over results. This was the right call, it just didn't pan out. And that that's okay to understand that, you know like I think in a redraft mentality you're like, "Oh, you missed it." But in a dynasty mentality, okay, it didn't work out on this one, but now I can trade for the next one or I can win the next draft pick and make sure I go into that area. Cause sometimes people get caught up on that and then they try to do whatever they can to get that player off their roster. Then, you know what I mean? Like they drafted, I have people telling me they traded Bryce young for the two Oh eight. And I'm like, why would you do that? You know, you drafted him at one Oh two. They're like, well, I just want him off my roster because it's a reminder that I didn't take CJ Stroud. And I'm like, would you do that with real money? Like we, we talk about stocks and, and assets. Would you just be like, you know what? I don't like that anymore. Just get it out of here. I don't want to see it anymore. You know, like go through the process. You're going to be right. You're going to be wrong. And I, I think I have a bunch of trades here from the Patreon that I'd like to get your input on. And then as we're doing it, let's talk a little bit about trade etiquette. Maybe something that we, we see or different angles that we go in. Um, The first one sent in from Inept Guru. He said, uh, this trade here, the one side gets the 108. The other side gets Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, and the 310 in a super flex league um i would
1: take the 108 i i am hopeful for chubb but i think he's just a throw-in into that deal at this point mm-hmm. and i do lean the 108 over eckler given the decline that we saw and just concerns about the chargers in general right we don't know what their receiving core is going to look like going forward mm-hmm. um they got a lot of players who are either getting up there in age or getting um banged up a lot and then also we have no idea what what the coaching is going to look like just yet. So a lot of unknowns. And in general, you know, I, I would take the first over a, what is that, Claire, 29 next year, year old yes. lineback, something yeah, it'll like that. Th- um, I think
0: he'll be actually 30. But I, I think, you know, in this scenario, I'm buying Eckler and Chubb cheap. I've been buying them for the two hundred nine to two twelve, which I just updated. I know you did your dynasty rankings. I just updated mine in the Patreon, and I have well, them both. Yeah, valued. I mean, there's a in, big in, difference in between that the two hundred nine and the one hundred eight. But, but the two hundred nine <laughs> and the two ten is not worth the one hundred eight, and this is an absolute right. smash. Except, I think he won that trade big time, you know. And I think that's the kind of move. Don't go and parade that around, then, you know. Like that's one where I see sometimes people drop a bunch of gifts and talk about how bad they fleece somebody in their own league. And I'm like, you just went and you canceled out that trade. You won that trade. That's great. You know, let everybody else talk. And if they start talking trash, don't join in there as well. You know, sometimes I see that you always get the uh, blink 182 WTF or the blinky eyes one when you get a trade. What does that say to you when, you know, let's say I make a a a trade with, with you and now all of a sudden somebody else from the league is mocking you based off that trade?
1: Yeah, I I generally try not to have those reactions. Uh, I will say you might have them in your own head. (laughs) A couple times, I will reply with the emoji with the eyes because if it's like (laughs) something real far off, I'm like, oh, that's. uh," But you know, I'm not going to go out and I won't type out like, "Wow, what a terrible trade," something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Again, you're just you're just burning bridges, right? And then two, if you're joining in on that. That's real bad karma, right? That That's how you get Eckler blowing up for 2,000 yards next year. Because remember, nothing is guaranteed, right? People, like you said, they were super happy. I'm sure some people sold, sold Puka for two firsts and mm-hmm. thought they fleeced someone, right? And perhaps now that offer wouldn't get Puka. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it, it's just keeping in mind that there are vast ranges of outcomes. And just because we think we know what's going to happen doesn't mean that that's going to happen.
0: Yeah, you think you win a trade and then it's you know in Smash Except three, where I had all 12 first round picks. I don't even want to tell you this, Mung, but the only one I traded was CJ Stroud for Chris Olave. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I got yep. the whole class. You know, like it, it 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 sucks, but you know, you go through it and you you move on. Uh, next one uh sent in from Mendelev in the in the Discord. It's a super flex hat 0.5 PPR, but then another 0.5 for a first down. And we're looking at Dalton Schultz, Terry McLaurin, and what is a mid 25 first or Tyler Lockett and TJ Hawkinson. Hmm. His context is he already has McBride and Waller at tight end. And right now he thinks the 25 first is mid, but could be all the way to top three. And that's, that's a tough thing to predict this time of year. Cause you and I've talked about that a lot. Like, predicting 25 firsts is not always easy
1: yeah so much is going to happen between now
0: and next offseason right we're talking a year plus they could have drafted puka they could have drafted sam laporta mm-hmm. in the second they could have traded patrick mahomes for four firsts you know and they all all hit
1: yeah i i will say i would lean the package though i would probably be selling Hawkinson for that mm-hmm. um I, I think volume has been there for him but we first we don't even know if he's going to be ready by week one, right? Mm-hmm. Given the timing of his injury, um, two Jordan Addison was coming on a little bit, uh, so depending on what happens there, maybe the targets are split up a little bit more behind Jefferson, and then also I, I think Schultz and McLaurin are decent by lows. Um, I've are. never been on, I've never been on the McLaurin elite wide receiver one train. I, I think he's a little bit overhyped. Uh, I think he's a solid wide receiver, but certainly not. You know a true number one, but at the same time, I think 2023 was so bad for him, uh, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, Howell just never looked his way. But Brissette peppered think, him, right? And I think I think there's still um, upside for both Schultz, given what we've seen from Stroud, and mm-hmm. whether it's Howell or, or a different offensive scheme, um, you know, there's still paths to upside based on what we saw in 2023 with McLaurin.
0: Yeah, latest mock has uh, them taking Jaden Daniels, and you got to talk about new quarterback coming or new coach coming in. So a lot can change. I like it. Uh, next one's a rebuilding trade. Cole Komet in the 311 or the Superflex 201?
1: Uh, I, I like Komet. And I think if you look at his points for game, it's pretty good because he had some blow up games. But in general, I, I would see that almost as, did you say Superflex? Super flex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's almost like a first given the quarterbacks that are going
0: to squeeze into the first round. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I would lean the tool one there. Good. Cause that was my trade. So I, <laughs> the way I was looking at it is for me, Cole Komet you could say is worth, you know, an early second, uh, but I'm rebuilding. And if I'm rebuilding Cole Komet's not a centerpiece where there is, you know, a non-zero chance that with JJ McCarthy potentially going in the first round, we're looking at four quarterbacks, you know there there could be an area where you know I've been seeing Adonai Mitchell fall into the second round and he went in in Kuyper's latest mock went first round to the Bills. You know so there's a scenario where you get the ru- running back one out of this class at two one or the lottery tickets that you want in a rebuild. A Cole Komet is never one where you're like I got it right, but you could have gotten Sam Laporta at two oh one last year. So you make that kind of move and you take that upside lottery ticket where if you fail. You, you lost a guy who's worth a second at worst, you know, you're, you're just kind of moving laterally, but I'm always trying to build in and get those better shots. You know, when you're, when you're talking about rebuild. you know, he's a, he's a fine asset at the two Oh one, you could buy other tight ends where they're going to be in that scenario where you're getting more production, even yeah, though. And he, it also goes season-
1: back to the timing and seasonality of value. Right, that we talk about a lot in Dynasty, where we know these rookie picks are going to appreciate value over the coming months. Right, Mm -hmm. there are going to be guys um, that people love, prospects who are coming out who maybe aren't super, um, super exciting right now. But once they go to a certain landing spot, or once you know, one highlight tweet just skyrockets their value for whatever reason, uh, we know that the 201 could potentially gain a ton of value, especially when it's on the clock. And the same
0: thing isn't going to be possible for Cole Komet. Mm-hmm. Another trade incentive from R. Lucas. He packaged the 210 and the 310 for Evan Ingram. And like, this is the time where people, we talk about buying seconds and just recorded a, a pod with Snoog where it's like, you know, there are, like I said, from Kuyper's mock, 12 guys going in the first round as far as wide receivers and quarterbacks. That means running backs are going to push things back. So we're saying to buy seconds. But Late second and a late third for a guy that finishes a top five tight end. As much as I know, you're not huge on Ingram. To me, this is a smash except.
1: Yeah, I think he's a fine, reliable back end tight end one who gets volume right. And and like you said, two tens of crap crapshoot. So I'm fine with that deal.
0: One of my my favorite guys to play in leagues. He just took over one of the orphans. He's in smash except ten with you, which I believe he has almost all the first round picks. Codester <laughs> in, in in here. He's Scarface eight forty three uh, side one. Yeah, it's code stir 843 uh, Devonta Smith in the 211 or Debo206 and 306?
1: Uh, I would lean Debo. I, I think we've seen um, really good flashes from Devonte, mm-hmm. Uh, But I just – I know people read into A.J. Brown clearing his Instagram or whatever, but I, I think as long as he's still there on the Eagles next year, Um, it's just tough to see a path to consistent target volume or production uh, for Smith and and Debo for as fragile as he has been here and there, um, right? Banged up with the shoulder issue. He's had a lot of hamstring stuff over the years, but we know when he's on the field, he's a top 12 wide receiver.
0: I'm on the Devonta side by a little bit, just the age and the production has been fantastic. Uh, Debo had an amazing season there. So I could see that if you're win now, Debo in the 206 and you, maybe you get a better running back. If you're rebuilding Devonta might be a little bit longer, but that's not a a smash one way or another, but it's a good trade.
1: Yeah. It's close
0: overall. Uh, next one in this, this one somehow, uh, no, I don't even know. Just, this is don't do this, but T pick five said that he traded Michael Thomas, Khalil Herbert, Josh downs and Noah gray for the super flex one Oh five. Um, Let's not get caught up in any traps here where you trade uh, four nickels for a dollar. I would never do that, you know. But like, this is an area where if this trade happens, you know, just just try to avoid the group chat. That's one where people are going to start getting a little fired up.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it it's not good, but at the same time, right? You never know, um, Travis Kelsey, if he gets married to Taylor Swift this season or this off season. And then Noah Gray suddenly becomes a superstar. Crazier things have happened. So again, yeah, clearly very cheap for the one Oh five, but
0: you never know. Here's a fun one sent in from reckless Lamar Jackson and AJ Brown or Patrick Mahomes and Trey McBride in Superflex flex tight end premium. Whew this is uh, that's that's, that's, a, a good one. that's a blockbuster. I got Snoog was mad at me, and Twitter blew up that I moved Lamar Jackson into Tier 1. I'm with you now. I have him right there, right underneath Mahomes. I have him as my QB4. I, I feel like it's a tier up there with the, with the way he played this season. So it's a matter of, like, if you have Lamar and Patrick in the same tier, how close are Trey McBride and A.J. Brown? Right now in startups, I believe Trey McBride's going mid-third, and A.J. Brown's going late-second. So – how much do you value Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson, and how how close is that for you?
1: Yeah, I I mean in Superflex I have Lamar two overall and Mahomes three overall, so mm-hmm. they're they're pretty close for me. Um, tight end premium, I think this is pretty close between McBride and AJ Brown, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite as high on McBride as the consensus. I feel like um, I have a I have McBride. A tier below Laporta and Kincaid. I, I know some people who have them higher are in that same tier. Yeah. So for me, even though AJ Brown faded a little bit down the stretch, the Eagles offense had a ton of issues. I think he's still an elite, you know, league winning top three wide receiver um, when he's healthy, when everything's
0: clicking with the Eagles offense. So I, I'm still taking Lamar and AJ Brown here. I'm having a hard time not. I mean, I have McBride as my tight end too, but it's like, man, that's that's a juicy trade. I like that one a lot. And again, if you're making this kind of trade, if you're trading Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, put it out there. Don't just throw, don't, you know, take the first trade that's out there because you never know. You could offer this out there and say, hey, you know, I'm shopping Patrick Mahomes. And then the next thing you know, instead of the guy that's offering Lamar and A.J. Brown, the next guy comes in with Anthony Richardson, two firsts and, you know, Nico Collins, you know, or like they somebody just really ramps that trade up. And it, you never know until you put it out there. You know, you got to tell people what they're what they're willing to go out there and trade. So uh next one sent in from Dieseldorf. This is uh the it says twenty five second, which he he says is gonna be late, and Michael Pittman or Devonta Smith. Yeah,
1: I, I think Smith and Pittman are close enough that I would mm-hmm. take the second.
0: I am too, and he got that one there, so we're, we're on the same page there. Um, just trying to grab a couple of them here. Stephen Blanda has a question, and we love when you guys like are, are watching the live stream. Like I said, Tuesday night, seven or eight o'clock. Stephen Blanda says, "Would you trade David and Joku for Chuba and Pat Friermuth in Superflex PPR Dynasty with no tight end premium?"
1: Um, I would not. I would. I would take Njoku. I think Hubbard I played too. well for what he is this year, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, better than Miles Sanders, who I don't think anybody thought it was a good deal when Carolina um, signed him to a bunch of money last offseason. Uh, but I think Hubbard is a replaceable talent. I think he'll be in a committee, um, whether in Carolina or elsewhere. And mm-hmm. I, I think Frymuth is a good tight end. Yes. Um, a lot of issues in Pittsburgh not having to do with his talent is, has factored into why he hasn't produced. But at the same time, again, I think Briar mute's more of a possession, you know, tight end. Whereas we don't know with Cleveland, uh, whether it's Joe Flacco, Deshaun Watson, whether Deshaun Watson is going to be good or bad next year, but we know the ceiling is super high with Njoku. And I would rather have that high upside piece at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. final eight weeks of the season, he was tight end, two or three right in that area. He's one of my biggest buys. I have him as my dynasty tight end 10 and I have Pat Fryermuth as my dynasty tight end 15. He's not that far off from being in that same area, but Chuba Hubbard, as much as I love Chuba and I was saying to buy him in season because he was so cheap. Now, you know, you get to an area where he is a replaceable level running back, you know, and and it's why this time of season, Steven, where I say, I'm not really investing a lot in running backs, outside the top 12 or 13, you know, or, or getting an Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones, a Joe Mixon, a guy that's cheap right now, who's not going to see much competition. I do think there's a scenario where Carolina definitely drafts a running back With just him and Miles Sanders there, so I don't think he's going to be getting those twenty carries a game like he had down the stretch that made him fantasy viable. So,
1: Chuba, Zach Moss, Devin Singletary—I mean, you could name thirty running backs who are all kind of in the same tier in the off-season where they're all good. They're all going to produce for you at some point next year, probably. But you know, it's
0: way too early in the off-season to try and predict starting roles and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We got one here sent in from. My man, bear down 34, Matthew Stafford, or Kadarius Toney in the 209. Now, will you add Kadarius Toney onto a side? Sometimes it actually detracts the value. They're like just, just keep it. Uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, is one of my one of my biggest buys. Um, how do you go about dealing with those type of players? The guys that almost like in a trade. No one wants to touch the Kadarius, Tony types. And, you know, there, there's always those guys where it's like, okay, I don't want anything to deal with him. How do you go about that in these kind of deals?
1: Yeah. Well, one, one, if this is super flex, I would have Stafford closer to the one Oh nine than the, the two Oh nine. So I agree that I think he's a big buy low um, this
0: yeah. off season. We've seen that he can still be a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Yeah, surprisingly, if he's, if he's healthy, right. KTC has him right now, which is QB 22, which is the equivalent of a 26 first or early 24 second. So I, I think he's just still a screaming buy. like people look at that. He's going to be 36 years old, but I mean, he just was slinging it this year. As long as he's playing Puka's there, I think Cups there. I think Stafford's a great buy and just, you, nobody wants veterans this time of year. So that's the tricky part. But I want to talk real quick about veterans because now That we brought that up. I mean, every year in startups, they become the value. You know, you look at things like a guy like Matthew Stafford, like a we talked about Stefan Diggs, we talked about Austin Eckler. How do you go about doing that? Because that's one of my biggest questions is people are like, Dad, I'm I'm trying to get rid of Austin Eckler. I'm trying to get rid of Derek Henry. I'm trying to get rid of Stephon Diggs. And we're we're a society where it's like we want to do things immediately, but I'm like, just be patient. Like, you, you can't get proper value for Derrick Henry right now. You know, you can't get proper value for Devontae Adams right now. You know, so, like, how do you go about trying to tell people to be patient in that sense? Because it's it's difficult.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like betting the Cardinals plus six and a half against the Eagles, right, when they upset them. And sometimes you have to understand that the uncomfortable thing can be the right thing. And whether it's buying – a guy like Stefan Diggs right now, right? Nobody wants him. Uh, but given his range of outcomes, right? What if he was just a little bit banged up? Uh, what if he, what if he and Josh Allen really click again next year? Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if he's only good for three or four games, that opens up a window for you to buy low right now and then sell high come August or September, right? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in the fantasy championship game next year with Stefan Diggs. And he has to have a completely amazing season. So uh, it's just the price point, right? And trying to separate the name of a player with their actual projected stats or projected role for 2024.
0: I'm buying Stefan Diggs. I saw him on Twitter go for the 205 and 209. I'm willing to pay a late 25 first for a couple of reasons. Stefan Diggs disappears in December and January every year. you look at 2019. He's had, with the Bills, outside of 2020, where he had a couple games here and there, 23 games in 2019, 2021, 2020, 2023. 23 games in December and January, and he's had over 100 yards twice. For some reason, something just clicks there. The games in November, September to November, he's a wide receiver one every single year. So if you buy low now because somebody's ticked off that he didn't show up and he balls out in September, October, you just instantly flip it over there. But it's tough. I just tell people to be patient, just like our guy here, Timothy Ligon. Hopefully I pronounced that right. He said, does Calvin Ridley have any value left? You know, not a bad season considering things. This is the time to buy those kind of guys if you believe in, like I was just saying, with Diggs. If you believe that, like I do, that Austin Eckler was banged up and he's going to be a value going into the season. If you believe that Nick Chubb is a guy that's, you know, once he gets recovered, he's going to tear it up. I mean, is Calvin Ridley someone – I've always been on the Kirk side. Calvin Ridley's a free agent. He could go somewhere else. I've heard, obviously, rumblings of Kansas City and things like that. I mean, I think he's a low-key buy because of the uncertainty of potentially moving on or staying in the same situation at minimum.
1: Yeah. I, I would say in general, um, again, it all comes down to price point, right? Am I paying a first for Calvin Ridley? Definitely not. Yes. Um, but if you can get him for a mid second or less, like you said, I think being in Jacksonville, we all thought that getting Trevor Lawrence was going to be good for his fantasy value, mm-hmm. but Lawrence has never really looked his way. Um, and and I think actually getting away from the Jaguars might be a good thing for him this offseason. Like you Mm -hmm. said, obviously a place like Kansas City would be a dream landing spot. But even elsewhere where he has opportunity um, to truly just be that Mm go-to guy for whatever quarterback, right? So, again, I I think the talent is still somewhat there. I'm hesitant to pay a ton for a soon-to-be 30-year-old wide receiver. But if you can get him for a 206, anything less than that. That's probably still pretty decent considering,
0: again, the range of outcomes, right? I love it. I just did my rankings. He's wide receiver 45 in the 206 to 208 range. Or 205 to 208. So right, right in line. I think that's a decent buy. Uh, question sent in from Hammer Dynasty. Would you trade A.J. Brown for Jordan Addison in the 110 in a 10-team super flex? Now, I personally have moved A.J. Brown. You're going to hate me. This is including rookies as my wide receiver 8. Uh, I have right now I have Jordan Addison as my wide receiver 20 the 110 I don't think closes the gap for me though I think the 107 if I had a chance to get Roma Dunze or the 106 I would smash it the 110 doesn't quite do it for me unless you're rebuilding
1: hey AJ Brown wide receiver eight for me too no No, uh... you're lining up (laughs) Yeah, we are we are very much aligned for right now for this podcast, at least. And uh, yeah, I, again, I like Addison. He showed well. Um, I have him worth a, a mid-first, so not too far off. Yeah, I think it's close in value overall, but especially in a shallower 10-team league too, I want those potentially elite assets, mm-hmm. right? And again, as long as Justin Jefferson's on the field, in most games, Jordan Addison isn't going to see double-digit targets, mm-hmm. right? Whereas A.J. Brown, we've seen even though, again, the Eagles and he both kind of trailed off over the second half of the year, um, A.J. Brown can be a league winner, and I don't see that necessarily um, for Addison. So, again, agreed with you. I would need a little bit more than the one
0: Yeah, I think if I'm if I'm rebuilding, if you add a mid-25 second, I'd consider it. Uh, if you're contending and you get a running back like Alvin Kamara – or maybe a you know something, an Aaron Jones added in there. So now it's like, but I'm with you. Like in ten team, you want those studs, and Jordan Addison, unfortunately, falls more in the wide receiver two to early wide receiver three category than AJ Brown, who's a clear cut wide receiver one. So yeah,
1: I, I, if you're if you're rebuilding, I would consider countering with like AJ Brown in a twenty five second or mm-hmm. Addison one ten and a 25 first, something along those lines. Right, you always try to get another first. Um, And then also just timing the market. Right. It's a terrible time to trade A.J. Brown. He got hurt. He missed their playoff game. He had a couple down weeks even before that. So his stock's depressed right now. And it's a good time to just hold some of these players like a Diggs or an A.J. Brown who kind of ended the year
0: on a cold streak rather than sell low. So you just did your dynasty rankings. I just did mine. And I want to talk about some – some. I mean, we're going to do this all offseason. But a couple key takeaways that, that I had that I'm not sure where you're at. But for me, it's like quarterback is really nice up until 17 again. And then it's completely up in the air. And, you know, like I'm feeling like wide receivers the same way. It's like I'm finding huge value gaps of like from 1 to 18 at most positions. And then just a huge tier of – guys that are worth mid-seconds. Like I think I put there are eight or 12 running backs that I would pay a first for. And there's, you know, 18 wide receivers. And I I feel like it's like the disappearing middle class. The seconds just keep getting bigger and bigger this time of year where guys that I'm willing to pay a first keep shrinking. And that's something dynasty-wise that I'm really starting to just be like, okay, you know what? This is that off season. I don't want to give up that first because that late first could be the next Justin Herbert. That late first could be, you know, Sam Laporta, like it was, you know what I mean? Like there, this is that time where I just keep saying more guys are worth an early second than I am saying I'm willing to pay it first.
1: Yeah. And again, I, I think there's going to be a perceived gap in value between a late first and early second. But if you're mm-hmm. trading away those early seconds, remember a lot of those guys can get pushed down to you at 201 or 202, um, particularly mm-hmm. in superflex, Right. So I almost try and treat those at least as a bargaining chip, As almost a late first, right? I'll I'll even say that in trade negotiations sometimes where I have the 201, I'll be like, you know, this is basically a late first, Mm -hmm. right? How many guys like an A-chan or Laporta were available at
0: 201 in some leagues because they dropped? Yeah. Yeah. And that happens every single year. So that's always good. I'm just excited. You know, Super Bowl's right around the corner. I'm starting to line up guests for, you know, right after we get through that. I mean, and I I think this is going to be a a fun off season. I think it's going to be one that's, that's beneficial. And every year just keep getting sharper with what we talk about, you know, and, and try to try to push you guys to the next, next move. What's next coming for you down the pipeline for, for fan tracks or anything else?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be updating my Dynasty rankings again once uh, free agency starts. I still tinker with them even now, here and there. Um, Again, during the playoffs, I think it's time to take a little break, uh, just enjoy watching some of the games. But also, like you said, right, Dynasty values are still shifting because everyone is watching these games. That means a really good play or really bad play um, can immediately change a player's value. And I think two guys to kind of watch out for that I would look to sell high right now um, one, Khalil Shakir, I'm seeing him garner a little hype. I think he's a good player, a good complimentary guy. Uh, but he's not all that different from uh, a Cole Beasley, something like that, where, you know, the Bills just needed someone to step up with digs, mm-hmm. dropping balls, and then with Gabe Davis hurt. Um, They're going to draft I, somebody I, too. Yeah, for sure. And I think we have to remember that the roster that you just saw in the last game isn't the one that's going to be starting from them week one, right? So, good point. I like here. I'd, I'd buy him for a third. Um, I don't know that I'd pay a, a whole lot more than that. And then, two, I, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with this one. I would look to sell high on Rasheed Rice. Um, I think there's a lot of hype on the Chiefs right now, and deservedly so for how well they've been playing and how they've turned that offense around a little bit. But you also have mm-hmm. to remember. Um, They played a Miami defense that was down like four or five starters due to injury. Same thing with the Bills defense, right? Tons of injuries for both of those defenses where it did help make the Chiefs look a little bit better than they actually were on offense. And then two, Rasheed Rice is great yards after the catch guy. um, He's shown some great hands and route running skills here and there. I don't know that he's a true number one. I think he was more thrust into that number one role because they just all they had was Stonehands, Tony, uh, MBS, who drops everything, you know, almost by default, right? They had to make him a focal point of the offense. And I, I like the Bills, I, I think Rice is still going to be heavily involved next year, especially if Kelsey takes another step back. But at the same time, I don't think that he's you know, going to be that true number one heir apparent to Tyree Kill in Kansas City either. And I think some do perceive him that way.
0: And I think I'm with you because for me, there's guys that are buys, right? And we put that out there. And for me, you know, guys like Jordan Love, guys like Rashi Rice were buys. Now they're priced over accordingly, right? Like Rashi Rice two months ago was worth the one twelve. Now he's, I seen him traded the other day for the one Oh four. Now you're talking about a guy like Malik neighbors who has a, a top 10 type upside, which rushy rice does not, you know, I have as Wide receiver 16 Jordan love. I saw the other day traded for the one Oh three plus a 25 first. So now you're saying a guy like Drake may plus a first on top of that. Like you get to an area, right? Where a guy goes from a buy to a hold, to a sell. And that's what we really try to do on this podcast is is put you guys into those situations. So thanks again for tuning in guys and enjoy the process. I drank like six water, so I got to go.